It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Greetings and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And, of course, you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Download the app and then type in our coordinates and you can take us with you anywhere you go. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Lana Thomas, and we have Lana on the show because it is the month of a Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, and Lana is part of this festival, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about what she's going to be doing. And, you know, the festival itself, though, is quite interesting, and it has many parts to it. And that's uh, why it's so interesting, because it, uh, it has all these different It's got a marketplace, it's got programs, it's got live events, it's got an educational program, and all of this stuff is going on. And um, Alana is actually someone that works with wood, and she, she is based in Ottawa. However, she has ties to the East Coast, and we're going to talk more about that and her heritage uh, going back to the Mi'kmaq out in the East Coast. But just to tell you a little bit more about the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, which runs from June 1st to the 21st, and it was established in Ottawa in 1996. And it is a multidisciplinary arts festival that brings together Indigenous artists, performers, educators, students, and community members to share knowledge and to celebrate, it does celebrate, there's lots of celebrations going on, Canada's diverse Indigenous cultures. And there is also the Summer Solstice Indigenous Music Awards, and they're going to be actually handed out on June 12th with a special live stream ceremony from the National Arts Centre in Ottawa as well. So make sure to tune in for that. We're going to have lots of guests on talking about the Summer Solstice, the artists that are going to be, some of the artists are going to be featured as well, some of those that have... Uh, that are up for nominations. So lots of stuff that is is going on. But back to Lana, because uh, Lana has uh, came on to the show very quickly. We we just arranged this the other day, and so we turned it around really quickly, and it was, it's great to have her on. Now, Lana is, as I mentioned, she has some uh, First Nation Mi'kmaq heritage as well as Irish heritage. And uh, she was born and raised in around the Ottawa area, but she is a member of the Eel Ground First Nation in northeastern New Brunswick. So, Lana, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. And now you work with wood, and part of that is because you visited uh, Lennox, Prince Edward Island, uh, back in 2003, and you were inspired by the ancestor heritage that you come from, uh, especially around the Mi'kmaq star, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It goes back to about 2003. I took my family on a trip to Lenox Island, like you mentioned, and I came across a piece of pottery um, that I bought uh, at Lenox Island. And on that pottery had a Mi'kmaq star and it was something that I wasn't uh, familiar with. So I started doing some research and uh, really just kind of was drawn to this star. And then fast forward about 13, 15 years or so, I woke up one morning and I was like, I want to build one. I want one to show my Mi'kmaq pride here in Ottawa on the, you know, the traditional unceded territory of the Anishinaabe, where I am a settler. I wanted to show my Mi'kmaq pride here. And so that kind of sparked my interest to get into woodworking. So you hadn't worked with wood prior to that? 
No. So this is a new venture for me. Um, I had not worked with wood before. I was not uh, an entrepreneur before. <laughs> I, uh, I I started cutting wood that morning. It took a couple of days with my husband and my father. Uh, my dad has a, a background in carpentry. And so he, he's been showing me the ropes and taught me how to use all of the saws, all of the sanding tools that I needed. He's been mentoring me on how to do the staining process, et cetera. And that's kind of how I got started. Had you been an artist prior to that? I would say I've always been on the artistic side, Okay. Um, but this was the first time that I had ventured into creating something. Well, congratulations, and you've created some really beautiful things, and I see that it's really blossomed into something that you've really, really ran with. You've got all kinds of these Mega Mouse stars in all kinds of forms. Now, I see you've got the four colors, right? You've got four directions on that. Originally, I guess that's how, maybe how you started, but... When you go to your webpage and you, you go to see the work that you've done, wow, you've really, really taken that to, uh, I see you're actually wearing one as well. So you've got a necklace, yeah. you've got all these other, other ways that you've presented this Mickey Mouse star. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it started out um, as representing the Mi'kmaq star in its true form um, and then following the more traditional uh, medicine wheel colors in the four directions. Mm-hmm. And then as I realized I loved woodworking, um, I ventured into a bit of pyrography. And when I did that, I wanted to showcase the um, the more ancient petroglyph, mm. um, hieroglyph type symbols that the Mi'kmaq used to use in terms of their, their their writing. And so some of the stars that I do custom work, I will tell a story um, by working with the client to find out what they want that to show. And so that's some of those other more intricate pieces that you can see on the website. Yeah. So if you go to your website, it's actually square. Is that right? Dot. Yes, Mi'kmaqWoodenArt.square.site. Yes, and and of course you've got, as I say, you've got all these. You've got the Mi'kmaq stars, but you've got clothing, you've got home decor and other uh, wooden wall art that people can see for purchase. You can see this, and it's quite beautiful. Uh, clothing, you've got, yeah, it's really, really lovely, all the, the, the options that you have given people, and, and the way you've, you, even the floral one that I'm looking at is, is quite lovely. Yes, um, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Now, it's wonderful that it's blossomed into all of this. Now, tell me about your involvement with the Summer Solstice Festival. Uh, so for me, I'm just going to be part of the marketplace, but they've been absolutely instrumental in helping me connect uh, with an, an additional diverse group of clients through their web platform. Mm. Now, if people are interested in seeing the marketplace and the other things that are going on with the festival, they can go to summersolsticefestival.ca. There you get the choice to go down to, like you said, the first choice is actually the Indigenous marketplace. And that's where uh, people can, can click onto that. They can go to the creation workshop, the culinary workshops. That's another one. Is this the first year that you've been involved mm-hmm. with this? No, I joined last year um, with COVID that Mm. definitely uh, posed a few issues, right? Yeah, Yeah. everyone having to pivot a little bit more to online. Thankfully for me, I've always done an online sales. But what I recognized was that the summer solstice marketplace 
provided um, myself with an opportunity to bring a lot of inventory to one location, mm. have it sold on their website and mm. shipped through them as well, oh. which streamlined the process for me. It was less, uh, you know, less trips to the Canada Post, if you will. <laughs> um, and this way it went through Go For It. And it was an Indigenous um, shipping company. So that was a complete plus as well. Wow, that's great. Now, this is your second year, and uh, and, and it's wonderful yeah. that they've got this marketplace, you know, to include in this festival, much like it would be if it were a live event, right? You'd be on site if this was a live event selling your wares, correct? Yeah, and I had never had an opportunity to participate in uh, a powwow uh, marketplace. So this joining up with the, the Solstice Marketplace was an opportunity to do this online. And hopefully in the future, once we get to do these more in-person op- uh, sales opportunities, then that's something that I'm hoping to get involved in. So going back to the, these Mega Mouse stars, which just seems to be a big part of what you focus on and how you use that and work with, and it's wonderful the history that you talk about and how, you, how it's important and why you wanted to bring this forward. Let, let's take one of the stars, because one of the things, the things you say about the art and the wood that you use, you either use found wood or, or, or wood that you, you find somewhere or, you know, the wood you gather, but you also say that it doesn't leave until you are satisfied with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the pieces that have been very important to me is quality of the wood product, uh, quality in the craftsmanship. I'm touching each and every piece as I'm building it. And so, yes, I could easily, you know, uh, market this out and have somebody else help me build this. But uh, truly for me, I wanted to ensure that there was like love, Mi'kmaq pride Mm. involved in every single aspect and step of the process. So I, as a, as coming into my artistry, Mm. what I've realized is that I really want to make sure that this is perfect before it leaves the house. Right. And, you know, there's a, there's a picture of you with, uh, I guess, a table saw or something uh, that I see there, the, the work that you do. Uh, <laughs> the miter saw. Yeah, the miter <laughs> saw, that's right. And um, so you're not afraid to get your hands dirty and, and not afraid to get in there and work with this stuff. From start to finish, what would you say the timeline is, you know, if someone were to order something from you, let's say, how long might it take for you to, you know, from start to finish? Uh, put it together? Yeah, good question. And I've actually taken the time to track this. because mm. um, It's one of those things when you start building, um, you don't realize the amount of steps involved. Um, so just over last year, I was working with uh, Quaviz, an organization that was helping me uh, become an actual entrepreneur. And part of that process was tracking my time. So great question. It's roughly uh, 14 to 16 hours per star. Hmm. And that includes the, you know, the driving to the local mill to pick up the wood. And it's not even just putting in an order for wood. I'm actually going through each piece of wood that I purchased to make sure that it meets my standard. um, Because each grain, once it's torched and once it's stained, Hmm. the grains provide a different, um, it's just so unique. So I want to make sure that I'm getting the the best quality there. Now, now when you mentioned the wood... Um, when I look at the different stars and the different uh, decoration or the way you decor it, right, you paint it up, et cetera, I would imagine that each wood is different in terms of how it absorbs and how it does those things. So, yeah. so how do you know what wood you're going to use and what woods do you use? Yeah, so I use a select grade pine. Uh, I'm looking for a piece of wood that doesn't have too much sap lines through it. Mm. I'm looking for one that... Um, 
when I, that when I see it, I can tell that it's going to torch a specific way because mm. I torch most of the edges right. of the star. Sure. Um, as well, if there's too much sap, whenever I'm torching it, that's going to come out. Yeah. And when that happens, I know that the, the, the stain isn't going to stick right. um, in, and absorb into the wood like it normally would. And it can kind of leave different markings. Um, but at the same time, that's part of the beauty mm. of a handcrafted piece mm. um, and a naturally sourced uh, pine. Yeah. Uh, so that's what makes it unique. Pine is a, is a soft wood, easy to work with, I guess, but also, uh, it, and it's fairly light, um, but it's it, that's what gives it that, that real beauty, right? Because it does mark easily, and it's one of those, it gives it that character that, that uh, yeah. it develops. But it also absorbs well, right? It does. Um, the absorbing piece has been great because I usually put a couple of coats of, uh, of varathane on it to help protect it because mm. I want these pieces to be able to stand the test of time kind mm. of thing. I've got a piece in my front uh, hall, like out at my front uh, door as my testing piece to see how long mm. I can keep that out there myself oh, yeah. uh, with the elements of the Ottawa weather. And so far, so good. But yeah, <laughs> it's... Um, Pine can can leave a lot of marks, so you want to be very careful when you're touching it. And, you know, don't bang it around too mm, much. Yeah. But uh, it's great for shipping at the same time because they're not they're not so heavy because the yeah. pine's been uh, exactly. you know fairly light. So we try to keep our, our shipping yeah. costs down as well, right. and that helps. Right, Atlanta, you're involved as you said with the marketplace at the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival, and um, is there is there any live interaction with you through the marketplace? <laughs> No, I haven't ventured into that. Um, that is something I think I could look at for maybe next year and find a way of incorporating a bit of a online um, craft opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, that would be something that maybe I can look forward to for next year. Okay, so if people go to the summer solstice festival.ca, uh, that will take you to the homepage. You scroll down, you go to the indigenous marketplace, and you can click on that. And then that will take you down to, to see uh, some of these other online shopping help support for business and, uh, and, and those kind of things. Now, I, I don't see shop art. Here we go. So when you scroll down, it actually says shop art and you click on that and it scrolls you over to the next page. And there you can see your choice of the artists. And there looks like there's many, many pages of things for people to go through um, for uh, for browsing, just like you would be at the marketplace. It's wonderful. Elena, we're just about finished up. I'm just wondering, is there anything else you want to mention or you feel is important to share before we uh, say goodbye? Oh, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for this opportunity. I think it's great that, uh, you know, the Summer Solstice is showcasing some of their vendors and then the partnership with uh, Element of them. Mm. This is great. Uh, and I also just want to wish everyone a uh, absolutely wonderful National Indigenous um people's day coming up and indigenous history month this is great all right nicely said lana it's been a pleasure speaking with you congratulations on all the the wonderful work that you're doing and it looks like it's been quite successful for you and that's really good to see and it looks like good quality work that you're putting out there nice to see that as well so congratulations to you it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Lana. Thanks so much, uh, Thank Jimmy Gwetch, so for, for joining us on the show. And uh, all the best to you in the future. Take care. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. Okay. Bye.
That is Lana Thomas. She is a member of the Eel Ground First Nation. She is an artist, and you can check her work out at the Summer uh, Solstice Festival that is going on now until the end of the month. So if you go to the Summer Solstice festival.ca you can scroll down to the marketplace where you can find her work and check that out the mega mouse star you can't miss it it's quite lovely to look at don't go away we're going to be right back with more right here on moment of truth and element fm now back to moment of truth with david moses element 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 fm All right, we're back on Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. If you download the app, take us with you anywhere you go. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show Trudy Metcalf Co. And she is a chef. And I might say that uh, she is very busy right now with the summer solstice uh, planning agenda for for the the I guess the the musical summit you were saying is that right Trudy? It's for the uh, inaugural Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival Music Indigenous Music Awards. Yeah, yes, and that's coming up on the twelfth of June, and uh, we've had many artists on the show talking about to the nominees for that show as well. It's a big deal. It's very exciting, of course. Now, um, this is a virtual event. Yes. So I'm not quite sure about all the other details. Uh, when it comes to my part, I just have to worry about making sure that the food is going to be getting to everybody um, and them feeling like they're having a gala dinner that's 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 been made very special just for them. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to, that's what I'm working on. Now, that's, it's kind of an unusual thing, right? Because it's a virtual event. People are going to be uh, sent these meals out. I've heard of this happening before. And then everybody, what, prepares their own meal, and then they sit down and all do this together virtually. Uh, their meals will be prepared. All okay. they're going to have to do is just bring them back to a temperature. So I want to make it as simple as possible so that they can actually enjoy their evening and not have to be um, like in the kitchen and putting their food together and then rushing to get to the event, uh, the virtual event. So I want it to be that it's like a they have their dinners on their plates in front of them within about 10 to 15 minutes ready to eat. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Now, a little bit about yourself. Are you still in Iqaluit? I understand you took a, had a one-year contract to go and wor- work in the north. Are you still there? No, I actually, uh, I'm home a week today. And I, yeah, so I just made it home like last Friday <laughs> evening. Okay. And I'm glad that I am because the Indigenous Summer Solstice, there's always so much going on mm. with it. And uh I've been fortunate to be a part of it now. I think this is maybe my fourth year. Mm-hmm. I don't remember fourth, maybe fifth year, and right. it's and it's just such a such an honor and, and and such a pleasure to be to be a part of it again. So, and it's much easier to do it from. I wouldn't be able to do this gala dinner from Echalabit, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's I'm I'm so happy to be here to be a part of it again to you know reconnect with people from years past and mm. and just it's it's growing and grow and like I'm growing with it which mm. is just uh, 
I, I don't have words. I just, it's hard to describe how it feels to be a part of it and just to be invited back year after year. Mm. That That's wonderful. Uh, congratulations on that. Now, as, as a chef, uh, you were, I understand you were born in the northern part of Newfoundland and uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, but you've lived in and, and around the Ottawa area uh, since uh, since you were around age, age 22 or so. Yes, uh, my hometown is Nain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is northern Labrador. It's in the land claims region known as Nunatsia Boot. Mm-hmm. It's the last community on the northern coast of Labrador. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up there as a child, just until I was about seven years old. And then our family moved down to northern Newfoundland, uh, where I, you know, I was until I graduated high school. And then I was, uh, you know, just on my own for a few years, trying to find, find, trying to find where I would settle down. And then I moved to Ottawa when I was twenty two years old um, because I was expecting my my first child mm-hmm. and uh, where I was living was very much a tourist town and I thought well it's hard to raise a child in a tourist town and I and I'd never lived in a city before and mm-hmm. Ottawa didn't feel like a city I had considered Montreal I considered Toronto and they <laughs> just seemed way too big and too mm-hmm. confusing for me because I'm terrible with directions <laughs> I know left and right and that's it <laughs> Not north, south, east, and west. I know where north is, and that's, uh, you know, up in the Arctic, and that's about it. (laughs) South is too hot. (laughs) So Ottawa, to me, felt very, felt comfortable, uh, small enough to to navigate. And I had family here and there was an Inuit community here, which I connected to within a few days of moving here. And then just being a part of that community for the last 33, 34 years. And um, we just, it's, it's nice to be in a city that's not too big of a city, but also be connected to the Inuit community where it makes it feel like I'm not in a huge I'm not. I'm not just a part of a of a metropolis. Like mm. I have, mm. I have space here. Yeah, and that's that's what's nice about Ottawa. Well, coming back to to uh, meals and cooking and and uh, your you being a chef, I understand the first meal you made was actually a chili meal. Is that right? You're just about eleven <laughs> or so. Yeah, when I was about twelve years old. Uh, I'm not sure how I how it happened, but uh, yeah, I, my my stepfather was uh, was Mexican mm. or yeah me- American Mexican, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom used to make chili and stuff like that, and something that we all as a as a family enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I just made it one day, and uh, it turned out really well. And I I was I've always been I've I was always the one in the kitchen at home, mm-hmm. you know, making the Sunday cakes or breads or cookies and helping with the meals and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that is I enjoy being inside mm-hmm. and the rest of my siblings would be outside doing the physical labor, you know, chopping the wood and sawing the wood and mm-hmm. bringing it in and shoveling the snow. And I was quite content to be in my space and make <laughs> the meals so I didn't have to be outside doing the hard work. <laughs> and I just have this natural thing where um, I don't know how to explain it, but if I think of a recipe, if I'm reading a recipe or thinking about something, I can, I can almost taste hmm. how it will go together or hmm. it's like, no, that won't go with this. I, hmm. I can just, if I know the t- how something tastes, right. I'll know how two things taste together. Right. So if I'm thinking about putting them together, I'll know before I do it, whether or not it's going to work. Hmm. So I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that- and yeah, I've just been cooking forever like it's just it seems like all my life because it's just a natural thing i i it's definitely a place where i feel very happy and very calm and if i'm if i feel like if i have any sort of stress or something like that Mm. if i'm not cooking i'm not doing well 
wow. cooking is it's a relief for me mm-hmm. and it's a, it's um it's definitely it's just, it's just my happy place mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned off the top of the show about uh, preparing this meal for the uh, Music Awards, which is coming up on the 12th. The festival yes. itself runs until the end of the month. Uh, are you involved in other aspects of, of the festival as well from a, from a chef perspective? Yeah, we actually have some what's being called, like I think the Manitoulin boxes, where mm. we're, um, I'm doing cooking dem- like a video demonstration it's all been recorded so a cooking demonstration of uh curried caribou mm-hmm. uh and these are boxes that people will have an option to buy online mm-hmm. so they'll they they make their purchase they choose what they want their meal their boxes are delivered to them and those ones they actually have to cook and so they'll have mm-hmm. like the recipes the recipes are in the boxes plus they'll also have a video mm-hmm. that they can have access to yep. uh to and on the 6th and though my boxes are actually being presented on june 6th so i think also on june 6th if people want to kind of join online or i'm i'm not sure if it's, if it's an interactive no mm-hmm. i don't think it's an interactive video right but you know, I'm accessible. Right. People can find me on the internet. They can find me on Facebook. If people are making something and it's like, oh, I don't understand this, send me a message on Facebook. I'm very responsive. <laughs> I would, I, I just, I love to see people cooking mm. and cooking whole foods so that they can actually make a nice meal at home. And it's not as difficult as a lot of people think it is. Mm. Um, and just making simple, like you can make simple foods turn like, into a gourmet minute into a gourmet meal mm. and involving like your kids and stuff like that and and just cooking together as a family mm. it just it brings people together food brings people together in every yeah. culture yeah sure does and so if people now uh, we may have uh, piqued some interest here so if people go to the summer solstice festival.ca website and you just scroll down on the homepage, you'll see culinary workshops and i think that's the area where they can go to and it said you click on more information and and that's going to take you over to uh, find out more about the events. You scroll down and you can see about the, the things that are going on there. And uh, and there you are, Curried Caribou. You can register online for a Trudy's uh, workshop. You know, speaking of that, I noticed that uh, as I was doing some research on you for this, you are all over the internet. My goodness, you're all over the place. So, uh, yeah, if people want to find uh, Trudy McGacko, it's pretty easy on the internet. You can get a hold of her on there as well now Trudy for this for this meal that's coming up for the awards and also for the the other things you mentioned like the the caribou meal um people can still register for that and and still get that sent to them is that right yes people can still register uh when it comes to the the actual meals like the meal kits Mm. I think they're more Ottawa based just because the nature it's it's food right sure it's it's, so it has a timeline and we don't we've got to keep safety you know food safety and stuff like that in mind yes of course um but there's on the on the indigenous summer solstice sites if people wanted to be involved in other things that are not necessarily food food based there's you know there's a lot of art workshops and and um Mm. Learning workshops with with different artists and 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 craft people, like people who do some beautiful, amazing crafts. I was a part of that last year, also. Right, and and you know the nice thing is, of course, that if people can't make it to or take part in that event on on it's on June sixth from six to seven p.m. for the Curdy Caribou, there are other chefs involved with this as well, and right up until the twenty first of of June. So uh, you know, there's other stuff you can do. Hey, maybe you want to take in a few of these, right? Right? Why not? Right? 
Yeah, there's a lot of options. There's it's 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 so amazing to see how things have grown over the last few mm. years, mm. and with the times that we're in, how we've been able to you know still be able to do what we're doing to celebrate the Indigenous uh, summer solstice. Mm. Um, and because a lot of it is virtual, we're not, it's not just in our community of Ottawa where people, you know, right. if you're in Ottawa, great, you can get to it. But yep. if you're not, it's across Canada, yeah. across the world. That's right. You know, so it's, absolutely, it's just, absolutely there's so, so many things. And yeah, I really, really encourage people to go and check out the site because it's, it's exciting. It is yeah. exciting. And for people who want to know more about Indigenous cultures and mm. uh, just to educate more or it's like, it's 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 a good window into it for sure into a lot of different things nicely said trudy nicely said and what a way for us to end the interview it's been a pleasure speaking with you thank you for taking the time i know you're very busy so i i thank you for doing that i look forward to uh having the opportunity to taste one of your meals one day soon thanks so much thank you david That's the voice of Chef Trudy Metcalf Co. And you can find out more about her curried caribou meal that she's preparing for June 6th on the Summer Solstice Festival site by going to summersolsticefestival.ca. Scroll down uh, to the culinary, after you're on the homepage, that is, you scroll, scroll down to the culinary workshops and you'll see uh, Trudy's uh, meal available there, as well as other chefs that are preparing meals. That's... Uh, It's been a pleasure to have her on the show. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. If you download that app, type in our coordinates, then you can take us with you anywhere you go. And you can also listen on our SoundCloud, of course. And you might also be listening on your favorite podcast, which is fine. And we also welcome those people listening on other radio stations now carrying Moment of Truth. It's a pleasure to have you all with us. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show today, we have with us the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, Dorothy Downs. And we're also joined by Judith Schuyler. She's the Indigenous filmmaker, for, and rather an Indigenous filmmaker from the United Nation of the Thames, who is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival Indigenous Programs. So it is a pleasure to welcome both Dorothy and Judith to the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure Hi, to be here. Hey, and I, I want to mention that, you know, we had to schedule a, a bit of a different time in the day because Judith, uh, although works with, the, with this London Film Festival, uh, is on the other side of the planet right now in New Zealand where she's working on a project. So we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come and join us from so many miles away. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I actually moved here uh, with my partner about six months ago. And how are things down there? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's not really any COVID down here, so it's kind of business as usual. Wow. That must be strange. <laughs> it was strange at first and now it's, I'm sort of, it's now it's just, it just seems like normal. And I feel really bad when I see on the news and you know, that my family keeps getting, you know, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown keeps getting extended. Right. Um, Cause I know what that's like and it's, yeah. it's not fun and it's not easy. So what would you say they are doing down there that is making it so, 
you know, so great for, for everybody to get around and, and no cases. Well, the borders were closed yeah. uh, completely. So nobody was allowed to come in for uh, a, a long time. And they had, they, I think they're the ones who figured out the contact tracing method to figure out who, who's where, what, you know, I, I think it had a lot to do with that. Mm. Um, and that they did of, of complete lockdown the, when it first got here, six weeks of, um, no one was allowed to leave their homes except to go straight to the grocery store and that's it. And if you were out, you couldn't even go for a jog or go for a walk. Oh. Um, so I think just the hard lockdown and uh, the contact tracing and shutting the borders really worked. Wow. Well, good timing, I guess, on your part to get there at that time before they did yeah. shut it all down. <laughs> Great. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know it's early in the morning there and your day is just getting going, but we we thank you for joining us. I want to come back to Dorothy because, Dorothy, the um, the festival, the Forest City Film Festival, takes place in London, Ontario, and it's your baby. You founded this. Can you tell us a little bit more about how and why and when? Yeah, we, we've been around for five years now. We're going into our sixth year. And the concept of this festival is to celebrate films and filmmakers connected to the region of southwestern Ontario. So um, while we are not actually a local film festival, we, we actually are an international film festival. And it shows how connected we are to the rest of the world. We get films from all over the place. Mm. Um, but the connection is through the key creative team, that somebody on the key creative team has to have spent a portion of their life somewhere in the region of southwestern Ontario. So that's everywhere west of Toronto, um, all the way down to Windsor, up to Owen Sound, down to Niagara Falls. So it's a large region mm-hmm. and a very diverse population. Um, and there's lots of connections all over the world. So it's really fun to to curate a group of films. Um, and so we run for, uh, we're, this year we're going to be a hybrid festival. Last year we were fully virtual. We're very optimistic that we're going to be able to do some live things this year. So we're really excited about it. And we're working, um, we're building our way to just generate um, a, a film culture in Southwestern Ontario to to build an appreciation for this incredible art on, on multiple different levels. We have films at the festival that are narratives, documentaries, animations. We have a new experimental category. We have a very important indigenous program that we do every year. We bring in French films from Quebec. We are, we're just working at, at all different levels. In addition to the festival, we've grown really quickly. We also have now... Um, we've had industry sessions. We're very much focused on independent filmmakers at this festival. And our industry sessions are now turning into the Ontario Screen Creators Conference. So that's really exciting. We've got lots of amazing things happening there this year, uh, including a $55,000 feature film pitch for films filmmakers from all across Canada. So that's really, um, very, we're very excited about to see where that, takes us. And we also have a youth film festival that's wonderful, celebrating high school filmmakers from across southwestern Ontario. And that's growing like gangbusters also. Lots of demand, lots of wonderful things. Right. 
So this festival, uh, as you say, it's international, but it's connected to the region of around London, as you mentioned. So it, it's kind of interesting how that ties in because it can only be international because the people from the region have gone out to make those connections initially to bring those back to this area, right? Yes, yes. Um, I, I mean, there's there certainly are films that get made here occasionally too, yep. um, but we don't we don't focus on that. Right. Uh, we focus on the talent and the artists yes. from the region. We want to celebrate those, that, that, those talents, whoever they may be. Why did you think this was something that would fly in the London area? And how did you, you know, what, what was the spark that, that came to you to say, hey, this will work? Uh, good question. Well, I have been in the film and television industry for um, quite a few years. And and my son uh, actually became a precocious young filmmaker <laughs> in his early teenage years. And when he was 15, he finally wrote a really interesting looking film. And I thought, I'm just going to give him a real experience. So I acted as the executive executive uh, producer and I, I hired a really good DOP and they did the whole storyboarding together. And my son put the whole film together and then we submitted it to a bunch of festivals and he got into Raindance, an mm. international film festival in London, England. Um, and it's one of the top 10 uh, independent filmmaker festivals around the world. So we were thrilled. We flew over there and went to see his film. And it was a wonderful experience. And it was very inspiring for me. And on the way back, I started doing research where else he could put a film around, um, around London. Because I said, I thought to myself, it's a shame that nobody in this area is going to have mm. a chance to really see this film. Mm. And I had a lot. I've got a lot of very talented friends who are also filmmakers and I wanted to bring all of their films together and to just show them off to Londoners because I felt London should celebrate these talents. And um, as I researched, I realized London was the only town I could find of its size pretty much in North America that didn't have a long standing and successful film festival. Wow. So it had to be fixed. Great. So you, you, put your feet in the water and you got it going. And, and so what happened, just, just trying to get a little bit of history and context here for it. What was it like the first year? It was uh, a real challenge. I did it completely in my spare time. Um, so worked all my, all my evenings and weekends to put this thing together. It was, we had um, three days. We had about 25 films and one venue and um, it was it was wonderful. London turned out, but still only yeah, well, twelve hundred Londoners turned out, which was I thought not a bad starting point for a small film festival. And um, since then, we've grown four times in audience size. And um, at, yeah, how I haven't I haven't even thought of how much as far as time and space and venues and right. certainly now we typically have about 75 films that we screen over the course of the six days. Well, this year it'll be six days of live and six yeah. days of virtual. So, and, and we don't really have a, a solid number on how many films we're going to be screening yet because we're accepting submissions still until the 15th of July. So we're still in the process of gathering our films. Yes. And thank you for mentioning the dates uh, for gathering the films because the actual festival takes place in the, in the fall, in October, correct? Yes, it does. October um, uh, 19th to the 24th is the live portion. 
uh, that will be this year of 2021, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so at this point, with all of the, the work that we're doing, we are gathering our films. So we are looking for talented people out there who are connected to Southwestern Ontario to, uh, to, to submit their films, mm. um, particularly for our Indigenous programming. We really, really want to see the talent. We've got music videos that we really are encouraging people to submit mm-hmm. um, because we, we just want, we want more diversity, um, more real uh, voices mm. to, to really show what our region is, who our region is. Right. Um, and we also have a screenwriters lab. So we're looking to, in July, we're doing a screenwriters lab um, and we've got 15 lucky people who are going to be chosen to do this lab. Um, it's $300 cost, but we have five scholarships thanks to the Canada Media Fund for Indigenous screenwriters. So we're really, really looking for some talented people to to um, engage with us. Okay, that's a nice segue over to Judith. So Judith, um, when did you first get involved with the film festival? Well, I, I got involved uh, just over a year ago, I think, or may, maybe a couple of years ago now at this point. Um, but I used to live in London, Ontario. I mean, I grew up in and around London. I'm from the Oneida Nation of the Thames, which is just 20 minutes outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was at the Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival in Toronto for the past six years. So um, my knowledge of, you know, the Indigenous film uh, world internationally is quite extensive, um, but specifically, um, Dorothy brought me on to gather films from the region. So we have, you know, a lot of filmmakers that are established um, from southwestern Ontario. And um, so, for instance, Lisa Jackson is from uh, the First Nations near Sarnia. And we have uh, Zoe Lee Hopkins, who we programmed last year as well, who is from the Mohawk Nation of Six Nations, and that's near Brantford. Um, there's three First Nations that are near London. That's Chippewa, Muncie, and Oneida. And there, there's just a there's Walpole Island, who mm-hmm. we're trying to get some people from down there. So we just really want to get um, the net cast to, to grab some more filmmakers and, you know, bring some more people up. So I'm so happy that Dorothy's got these scholarships, um, that, you know, will just open some doors because maybe some people might not be able to afford it. Um, you know, or especially right now during COVID, um, and also just give somebody, you know, a few people the opportunity to work with some really great, uh, screenwriters and people who know what they're talking about. Um, so mostly we're just trying to get, people in London and surrounding area to see the talent that's out there. You know, there's a lot of first nations talent, um, you know, and they're rising to the top, you know? So I know that in London, when I lived there, I, I, there was no film festivals and I didn't even know that, you know, making a film or being a filmmaker was an option. I didn't know that it was even, you know, something that it was not even in my scope of thinking, when I got to Toronto, that's what I saw. You know, there's so many artists and international filmmakers um, that are Indigenous, you know. So when I saw that, that's when I, I you know, went to film school and I started um, making films. But I have been working in radio and for festivals the last <laughs> few years. So that's what I'm actually doing right now. I took some time. So I'm actually working on my next short film. And um, I've got a feature film in development as well. So that's what I'm doing um, to try and get back into the to the filmmaking scheme. But 
Um, yep, this year we're going to have more First Nations films different than last year from all the way from Ottawa all the way down to um, Sarnia Reserve or it's not called Sarnia Reserve but I cannot pronounce the name and I just don't want to butcher it right now um, but it's near Sarnia, uh, the city of Sarnia and also we have Janet Rogers who's going to be hosting the Indigenous uh, program this year because Obviously, I'm not going to be there. And also, we just want to give other people an opportunity, right? Janet Rogers is uh, Tuscarora and Mohawk from Six Nations, and she is phenomenal. And she's a very vocal person. She's worked in radio. She's a filmmaker. She's a poet. You know, so she's um, I'm, I'm so happy that that she'll be getting some more, uh, you know, getting herself out there in, in, in London, Ontario as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the leg up or one of you guys tell us about the leg up lab? Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, the leg up lab is um, where filmmakers have a chance to go from amateur to pro, take the next step in their career. So we have people, Emma Donahue is our anchor speaker. Emma Donahue is the, the screenwriter of the film room um, Academy nominated screenwriter. And her actually her latest film is, or her latest book has just been, um, is just going to camera in Ireland in August. So the wonder she's going to have another film um, out and she's coming to talk. We've got um, a Hollywood writing coach coming to help um, do some career coaching for these people that, that get into this. We've got Chris Pern talking about working in a writer's room in the television world um, Jessica Shadlock is coming from, um, from Boat Rocker Studio to talk about pitching and help people learn to pitch their, their ideas, um, tell them what's important. There's all in all, we've got about nine different segments over the course of four weekends. It's huge value for somebody who is interested in becoming a screenwriter, um, huge value. And uh, and on top of that, it's sponsored by uh, Final Draft as well as the Canada Media Fund. And Final Draft is providing everybody who participates the newest version of their software. So mm. it's like, you know, if you, you pay for the software, you get <laughs> two huge free weekends of uh, working with these fabulous giants of the screenwriting world. So it's really an opportunity, such a good opportunity for people from Southwestern Ontario. I, we, we, do, we want to do it live. It's going to be yeah. in London, and, and we're really keeping our fingers crossed. We're working with the health unit here to make sure that we've crossed all of our T's and dotted our I's and that everybody's going to be as safe as possible. We've got a big room that's socially distanced. But we just feel that, you know, it's in between those talks, those moments where you get to talk to the other screenwriters it's just as valuable and it's it's been a long time since we've been able to experience doing something like this that's not a zoom meeting <laughs> so um <laughs> looking forward to that hope it works out uh still um no hundred percent guarantees but that is our goal at this stage there's a couple of things there that you mentioned I want to come back to. But before we get there, I want to mention that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And you could be listening on the uh, iHeartRadio app. If you download the app, you can take us with you anywhere you go. This is Moment of Truth. I am your host, David Moses. My guests here on this portion of the show are Judith 
Schuyler, and she is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival Indigenous Programs. Um, and she is also, as she mentioned earlier, she is from the Chippewa of the uh, Thames and uh, the Nida of the Thames. Nida. Pardon me. The Nida <laughs> of the Thames. There's Chippewa of the Thames too, right? So, <laughs> yes, there is. And um, it, right around in the, the southwestern part of Ontario in the London area. And also, of course, with us is the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, Dorothy Downs. And we're talking about the Forest City Film Festival now in its sixth year. And, of course, last year it was virtual. Um, and it's had some great success, as we heard from uh, Dorothy say earlier, that is a, a local sort of regional film festival that is international uh, with people in the area that have have connections to have either left the area and have a connection somewhere else that bring those films back into the to the film festival. Um, but they also, of course, do local films as well. They've also got this great indigenous component that we've been talking about as well with uh, Judith. And it's a pleasure to have them both on, a sh- on the show talking about this. Now, if we have uh, sort of uh, piqued people's interest about uh, wanting to know more, I know people can go to the website at the fcff.ca. Uh, is that where people can, can you know, register and find out more? Absolutely. There, there's, it's a really robust website, so it might take you a couple of minutes to look around, but there's a screenwriters tab for the screenwriting lab. Um, and the information on the festival itself is all there. There's lots of information for industry. We've got tons of information for the youth side of things. So if you happen to know a high school aged filmmaker, um, please refer them to that. There's, it's really robust. Um, everything from how to make your film to how to submit in all the different different categories. And there's prize money for, for youth also. It's a nice fun opportunity to be seen, but also win a little bit of money. Um, <laughs> so, so please pass that on. Right. Um, now, as you look to the future for this event, would you say that you have, uh, you've met the marks you've wanted to hit so far in the growth of this festival? Yes. Yes. I, I, COVID has slowed us down a little bit. We, we thought that last year would be a year of real growth. And of course, it's really tricky and challenging to to find out how many people actually watched, uh, saw the films, um, sort of make our best guess from the number of streams that we had. Uh, so we, I, I think that we have absolutely hit our mark where we've grown our programming and we've grown our outreach and our work within um, the film world, what we're doing for filmmakers quite significantly in the last few years. The Youth Festival is on the cusp of incredible growth also. So we sort of look that we've got three pillars. Um, You know, we we work to build pride in regional audiences for the talent that comes from among us. And that's the main festival where we just show great films really interesting, really great films that you aren't necessarily going to be able to see everywhere. And if you can see it on a streaming service, it's here with us because we have somebody really cool coming to talk. So it's that combination of filmmaker and uh, film experience and rubbing shoulders and elbows with filmmakers. So that's the regional pride. And then we work to build capacity in the regional filmmakers And we really do that with our Ontario Screen Creators Conference and all the work that we do 
to reach out to emerging and independent filmmakers from across Ontario um, and specifically Southwestern Ontario. But we really nurture those relationships. You know, we, we, we pay for everything we screen. We pay a portion of the ticket sales. We've done that since day one. Um, we care about the um, making connections for filmmakers and helping their careers advance. And then the third pillar is to inspire future filmmakers. And we do that with, first of all, showing once again, amazing films, interesting films. Mm. But secondly, um, having that connection to the region, you know, young, young filmmakers will sort of look and say, you know, I don't have to be from somewhere else. This is something that I can do. And so, um, and then the youth festival wraps it all up. We have seminars year round that go out into our member boards and anybody that's registered in high school at a high school age can submit their films to this festival and be seen and win money. So okay. that's the trifecta of what we do. Great. Thanks for that. Now we're getting near to the end. I just want to ask you both this question. Um, so think about if there's any other dates or things that you want to get out there that people should be aware of for either, you know, just the overall uh, festival itself, uh, dates they need sim- to submit by, um, and also, uh, uh, Judith, with the Indigenous portion of this, um, you know, what, what other things people might want to be aware of. So, uh, Dorothy? Sure. Um, the submission deadlines, June 15th is the regular deadline, and then the prices for submissions go up slightly, and July 15th is the absolute latest deadline. So, um, if you can make it by June 15th, that's amazing. Uh, once again, you know, we're looking for the music videos, screenplays, narrative films, documentaries, experimental films. Um, and those are the deadlines for that. The screenwriting lab, we need to have registrations in for that lab. Um, and then we will select our 15 people that are going to be able to participate in that. And those registrations have to be in by the end of June. Mm. So uh, June 30th. And um, and then we've got, you know, we start gearing up for the festival and everything starts with the launch and announcement of all the films on um, in the middle of September, September 17th. And then the festival, of course, write it down, 19th to the 24th. <laughs> So save the date for that. It's uh, it's really a blast. It's, there's lots happening. Sounds great. Okay, Judith. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, what, what we're trying to work towards for the future for all Indigenous content is vis- res- representation, authentic representation from visibly First Nations and Inuit people. Um, we've had a lot of issues recently with identity fraud, and we're just really trying to stay away from that. Um, so everybody that's that's been included in this program, um, not only are we just involved in it, but we are leading this. We are leading the discussions. We are leading the programming. Um, we're leading the filmmaking, the screenwriting, the directing. So that is what we're working towards is um, full representation and full control of the content that we put out there. So myself, um, Oneida Nation, we have, like I said, Janet Rogers, who is uh, hosting um, the the Indigenous program and all of the films that will be included, which I just cannot mention right now because we still have to <laughs> go through the details, um, but will all be um, First Nations filmmakers written and directed by. Um, so I just want to make that, um, that's super important, the representation and the authenticity mm. of the work and the people that we promote. Okay, great. 
Chimiguach for that and Nyawa for that. Um, I want to to also mention or find out uh, going to the website, people can uh, get hold of you through the the website as well if they need to or... Yep, yep. The the email is all there. Um, uh, It's also just info at uh, forestcityfilmfest.ca. And specifically for the Indigenous element of this? They'll just have to put in the um, in the contact. Okay. Uh, I mean, sorry, in the in the title. Okay. That is for the indigenous, and I'll make sure that Judith gets it. All right, that sounds great. Well, I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about uh, the Forest City Film Festival going into its sixth year, and wish you uh, all the best with it uh, and and success with it. It really does sound like you've done a wonderful job over the last five years with everything that you've got involved and the people you've got involved. It sounds like you've got some wonderful, wonderful uh, things that can really help people uh, and really, uh, really expose the area and the people that are going to be participating to some absolutely fabulous opportunities, like you said, right off the top. So, yeah, all the best. And we look forward to uh, uh, speaking with you again, maybe as we get closer to the dates uh, for this uh, festival and find out how it's progressing, uh, it would be great to have both, uh, both, both of you back on to talk about this, because maybe Judith at that point will have those, those films finalized, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It would be my pleasure, our pleasure. Yeah, right, Judith? Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thank you both once again. And Judith, thanks for joining us from New Zealand. It's not often that we get to see, uh, you know, and have uh, someone from, from sort of down under joining us. So it's great having you <laughs> on the show. Yeah, go. Thank you for having me. You bet. And uh, also to Dorothy, I want to say a thanks to Dorothy Downs, the founder and executive director of the Forest City Film Festival, for joining us, along with Judith Schuyler. She is the programmer for the Forest City Film Festival, and she is a member of the United Nation from the Thames. It was a pleasure to have them both on the show talking about the Forest City Film Festival. Coming up, as mentioned, it's going to be in October, and that is from October 19th to the 30th, and it's going to be online as well as some hybrid stuff, some live stuff they're hoping to have. So I just want to say uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day. I'm your host, David Moses, and we'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Element.